at Mountain View. Here we are. That's what we call our Christmas season, is just Christmas in Mountain View. And this year, we're just taking a look at a few songs. And, and they're unfamiliar songs, or they're unsung songs, but they're songs nonetheless. And so we have hundreds, hundreds of Christmas songs that I think we could sing by heart, don't you? Yes, yes. And they are played over and over and over again for weeks, for some of you months. All right, and I get that. How many of you started Christmas long before Thanksgiving? <laughs> There's some excitement going on right there, right? And how many of you have a, a hard, hard study rule that we do not, we do not, do not do Christmas until at least after Thanksgiving? Yeah, a couple of you. Well, we can have some competition here, all right? So, so while most of the songs we sing were written by modern composers and, and, and the Gospels, the Gospels give us four songs from characters of the Christmas story. Four songs. And they're not composers. In fact, three of the writers are average, everyday, ordinary people with no credentials whatsoever. But their songs, their songs provide us with this beautiful, incredible response to the faithfulness of God where he comes announcing the coming Messiah to humanity. And it reveals something about the personality. It reveals something about the character of who God is and, and what God has, has tried to do. And so today we're going to look at a man named Zachariah. Have you heard of Zachariah before in the Christmas story? Excellent, excellent. Let's, let's dig into that. We're going to look at Luke chapter 1. We're going straight from Mark 16 to Luke chapter 1. So you don't even have to really turn in your Bibles, all right? How many of you actually bring Bibles to church with you on Sundays? Okay, a few of you. Good, good, good. How many of you use the phone? All right, all right. How many of you are like, you do it for us, so why would I bring anything? Eh, it's what I thought. All right, anyway. Luke chapter 1, we're going to start at verse 5. This is what it says. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah. He was of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughter of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all of the commandments and the statutes of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren. And both of them were advanced in years. And I don't know what advanced in years means, all right? But I think they were pretty old. And this is what I love right out of the gate that God is beginning to reveal, even in the Christmas story, even in the birth of Jesus, there is something significant happening here. And what it is, is God desires to show his, his mercy and his grace. He desires, he, he desires to reveal that he has high regards for those who are brokenhearted. He cares about those who have had dreams crushed. He cares about people who have struggled. He cares. And I think he reveals that right out of the gate. This, this is the common theme in some of these unsung songs. God is revealing that nothing, nothing can stop his desire to sort things out, to straighten things out, to make things right, to turn the things that have been turned upside down upright. And so God is going to send a blessing to Zechariah for old, up in age, Zechariah. Verse 13 says this, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, an angel appears, right? For your prayer has been heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son 
If you're 80 years old and you had an angel come and tell you you're going to have a child, what are you thinking? Huh? How many of you are thinking, yeah, happy? Anybody? All right. If you're 60, is it okay? No. In your 50s? How are you feeling if you're in your 50s? I'm trying to figure out where the threshold is for us. Maybe we'll stop right, right there, all right? And so this is what the Israel, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness. I don't think so. And many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the Spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And so there's this promise, Zechariah, Zechariah gets this news that the angel gave. And I don't think, by the response of what happens next, I'm not sure that Zechariah responded really that graciously. Would you have? And so what happens is Gabriel, this angel, he responds with some frustration. Look at this, verse 19. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel, and I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and bring you this good news, but you don't even like the good news. You're not even listening to the good news. And behold, you will be silent, and you will be unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And so nine months or so goes by. Because of, because of Zechariah's unbelief, God strikes him silent. Usually meaning he couldn't hear and he couldn't talk. And so for nine months or so, the time finally came and Elizabeth gave birth to John the Baptist. And eight days later, the baby would have been customary circumcised. And the neighbors start calling this baby Zachariah. And the reason they call him Zachariah is because that was the custom. You would have just called him by the name of his dad. And look what, look what, look what Zechariah does, verse 63. So he asked for a writing tablet. And he wrote, his name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth opened and his tongue loosed and he spoke. And what did he do when he first spoke? He blessed God. And fear came on all the neighbors. And all these things were talked about throughout the hill of the country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our fathers, Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his way, 
to give knowledge of salvation to His people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give us light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Oh, this is powerful. I want us to imagine for just a moment, imagine what, what Zechariah went through for at least nine months, maybe as long as ten months, as short as six months, for six to ten months. Imagine what Zechariah went through where he was in silence to contemplate. He was in total silence to consider, to pray, and to meditate. I mean, certainly his silence was a result, it was almost a punishment, a result of his unbelief in in this angel Gabriel who comes and says, you're going to be with child. He goes, I don't think so. There's no joy and gladness in this. Do you know how old I am? And so in this unbelief, God seems to punish him, right? He makes him silent. But right there, right here, we see the character and the personality of God come to light, right? Because often what God will do is God will use this rebuke and turn it into a reward. And sometimes we agonize, right? We, we suffer and we think about our past. But when we really continue to be faithful, God seems to turn those things from the past into something beautiful, doesn't he? He turns the things, the, maybe the rebuke, maybe the punishment, he turns it into something beautiful where we begin to experience his grace and his mercy. From those months, I imagine Zechariah groaning at first, don't you? Dumb angel. Why me? Ugh. Where's God been? I've been praying this for years. And now he shows up and answers my prayer? I mean, what are the things you would say? If an angel appeared to you and told you that you were going to be with child at an old age and it was going to be a good thing and it would be a joyous thing and you would be blessed and you would be filled with all sorts of grace and mercy and and all of these types of things, what would you think? At some point, he probably moved from groaning and grumbling to to kind of blaming himself, saying, why didn't I believe? Why was I such a skeptic anyway? Why am I such a fool? I imagine over time, Zechariah started to see what was happening. He started to see it. He let it start sinking into his head. And he let it start sinking into his heart that something significant was about to happen. That something great was about to happen. That this particular opportunity was unique. This particular opportunity for Zechariah was unprecedented. And that there was something incredible on the horizon that was about to happen. And I can't go on without making sure that we practice a little bit of what Zechariah practiced. This is what I mean. I, I, I think that we need to lean into this. I believe it's true that when we seek out silence, when we seek out solitude, when we seek out that quietness with God, we realize, we begin to understand the significance of God's work in history. And we begin in the silence and the solitude before God to begin to see the significant work that God is doing in our own lives and around us. And so I I want us, 
I want us to be aware of the work that God is doing in our own lives. And I want us to be aware of the work God is doing in the people around us. I want us to be aware of what God is doing in the lives of our family members and what God is doing in, in, our, in, the, in the employees, in our workplaces, in, the, in our schools. I want us to be aware of what God is doing. Why? Because we have an opportunity to partner with what God is doing in the lives of other people to show that his heart is not far from the brokenhearted. We have an opportunity to partner with what God is doing in the lives of people around us. To reveal them the heart and the character of who God is. So this is what I want us to do for just a few moments. I want us to sit in silence. I want us to be quiet. Because I believe that the deep work God does isn't usually in a noisy room. It just isn't. Sometimes, sometimes the close connection between being still and quiet is where we get a sense of what God is moving toward. It's in the stillness and the quiet that we begin to understand that God is accomplishing a work in me and in you. What would God reveal to you if you couldn't talk or hear for nine months? What would he reveal to you if you were silent for that long? My family might appreciate it. You might appreciate it. No preaching, no singing, no arguing. But I think I would see a lot more, wouldn't you? Maybe I'd read a lot more, wouldn't you? Maybe I'd pray a lot more and meditate a lot more, study scripture a lot more, wouldn't you? All in this silence. And I hope I would use silence in the way that Zechariah did because Zechariah began to hear and speak again. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And what did he do? He started to prophesy. He started to sing. And his song was filled with this beautiful prophecy, insights. And it is filled with this beautiful significance about what is going to happen. And so for a few moments, let's just be silent. Let's be still. Let's ask and let's listen. Two prayers right now. Okay? First, Let's say, God, where are you already at work in me and around me? God, where are you at work where I live? Where are you at work where I work? Where are you at work where I study? Where are you at work where I play? Would you, for just a few moments, sit quiet? Don't talk to God. Let him speak to you. Ask him this question. Take this prayer to the next step and ask God this question. How can I join you where you're working around me? How can I join you where you're working in me?